You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to a Rare Drop podcast. Check us out at raredrop.co. Hey, y'all. I'm Sam, and I'm excited to be back hosting for GCX 2022. Room blocks are still available at the beautiful Rose and Shingle Creek in Orlando, Florida. So book now with our discounted link and stay in the same space as the event so that the fun never has to end. Well, I mean, that really couldn't be more convenient. Go to gcxevent.com slash Rosen to learn more. Explore epic sagas with Rare Drop Roleplay. Recap the latest in sports with Overplayed. Unleash your inner hero on comics. Dive into a galaxy far, far away through Star Wars and Scotch. And pick the brains of industry experts on Broman Podcast. Whatever you're looking for, Raredrop Entertainment has you covered. Check out our full lineup at raredrop.co. Welcome to episode 58 of Star Wars and Scotch. It's Kevin and Tim again. Hi, as always. I'm sorry if you were expecting someone else to welcome you to Star Wars and Scotch, but uh, surprise, it's Kevin and I. We should just do that one week. Oh, just have someone else completely do the opener for Star Wars and Scotch? Hey, it's Mindy and and Ben. (laughs) And Paul. Mindy and And Paul Paul are going to talk about Star Wars. And everyone else. Honestly, if, if I was to trust anyone... At our company, when it comes to Star Wars stuff, it would probably be Mindy. Yeah. She's she's kind of a nerd. She's not so, kind of a nerd. She is a nerd. So well, I mean, like I was be, I was trying to be nice. She'll she'll embrace that. She would love it. You're a nerd. Said that. I feel like I feel like now, Kevin, it's okay to be a nerd. I'm like, that's fine. It is. It's very acceptable. It was never when we were growing up, it was always viewed as very derogatory. Yeah. And then I think video game culture is actually oh, yeah. what altered that um i have to agree when when whenever when all of my uh college colleagues and all of the fellow students were playing flappy bird during lectures i think we were all nerds at that point yeah yeah i mean for me it was for star wars specifically since we're here it was uh definitely the prequels and then the games 
yeah. that came out, like Shadows of the Empire and oh, things sure. like that. Because we would we would talk about that stuff in in college and high school. And look at us now. Uh, now we're now we have a podcast. We're talking about Star Wars. I went I went on to uh, a Star Wars tweet yesterday, and I watched someone just get lit up by High Republic fans, which was hilarious. Was it it's the one great. I commented on? Yeah, it was the one where guy was like, "Imagine Star Wars ruining a whole other thing," and everyone's like, "F you, this is great!" It's like, yeah. It's like, tell me, tell me you haven't consumed any of the material without telling me you <laughs> exactly. haven't consumed any of the material. <laughs> Fucking these 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 uh, these fanboys, charlatans, the worst. Well, uh, there's there's not a lot this week when it well, comes we could, to we could to talk Star about Wars that news. picture in that tweet but yeah there's definitely lots that we can still talk about kevin so i'm super excited about that uh, so star wars tweeted out that the conclusion of phase one of the high republic begins january 2022 that is that is a full sentence because it's like the conclusion of phase one so what does it begins mean? In that's the next novel so yeah okay so but then so what can can we go back and talk about their overall phases for for the High Republic? Yeah, yeah. Let's bring that because up. honestly, I don't remember. Right. Um, so Phase One was kind of just like the introduction to the universe, right? And we've met a lot of characters. Um, Avar, Chris. Um, phase One is Light of the Jedi. Okay. Phase Two is Quest of the Jedi. Okay. And phase Three is Trials of the Jedi. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, so so Light of the Jedi. I, I we, it all starts out really pretty, right? Every like the the first first novel's great. Um, after the fact, we get over the the planetary genocide, which is an awesome way to start out any story. Um, yeah. Authors, if you're listening, please continue to open up your sci-fi books with planetary <laughs> genocide because it really hooks me. I uh, really enjoyed that part. Um, but you know, like we saw, like the, the light of the Jedi begins to fade. Uh, a lot of these Jedi, Elzar Man starts to feel it. Uh, loading, well, he starts seeing these, he starts seeing visions. these visions. Uh, loading great storm starts to feel it. I mean, all these Jedi are feeling this, this, this heaviness. You know, it's not all, it's not all uh, happy-go-lucky frolicking through the force flowers and 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 being all you know happy and hippies. Um, they know something's bad, and then all of a sudden we move these Sith statues on this eerie space station, and then the Drain Gear show up. Ooh. Right. And so we know that these these we know the Sith are terrified of these things. The Drangir show up and then and then they start a universal conquest uh, or I guess really just a galactic conquest uh, to eat everything. Meat. <laughs> so things get really worse. I mean, like how what how many more trials do these guys need to go through? I uh, I, I appreciate the Drangir in the comics. Because they really dove into mm-hmm. what they are, where they came from. Like literally one of the frames in, in I forget which comic, it's one of the Marvel ones, uh, showcases ancient Sith like with them yeah. and utilizing them and locking them away. Uh, so I hope they uh, expand on that. I hope the Drangir gets stronger and cause more of a problem for the Jedi. Uh, I'm truthfully not through all the comics, so that could be pretty well, much set up well if we're holding close to the books they are kind of like defeated no they're Question kind of mark? like like they're kind of just like in hiding like where like what are they what are they doing no because in the last book avar is um off world yeah. the one after she's off world fighting the drangir right but they they start off the lorna d book with saying how they've defeated the drangir 
They do, they do. So they're probably in dormant then, or that's what I'm trying to figure out. Is like they were in celebration. It was about like what's the Lorna D book picks up three months after the uh, the Nihil attack on the the fair. It's gonna yeah, it's gonna jump around a yeah, lot. Yeah, so it jumps around a lot. But like that opening that opening statement, it was Avar Chris and then she, or it was one of the one of the Jedi that were on the on the ship and they're like, you know, we've defeated the Drangir. And so it was just like I was like, wait a second, what happened? So is that gonna be a part of like the is that gonna be a part of the 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 ending of phase one? Is that is that what that picture is with Starlight Beacon? Like blowing up? Do you think that's the drain gear, or do you think that's going to be the Nihil? You think that's going to be like Martian showing up? I think that's Martian's revenge. Yeah, they're building up to Martian being the the focus. I think the phase two will begin to flush out the drain gear again and bring them back into the fold because during Republic Fair, they they claim they're fighting a war on two fronts: one against the Nihil and one against the drain gear. Right. So. I think things need to get worse uh, and get harder. So the destruction of Starlight Beacon seems to be the uh, which we're so, not speculating that it's literally in the image because they did a movie esque poster for um, the conclusion of phase one. And Starlight Beacon is literally on fire. It's yeah, it's it's, it's exploding. But I thought we ex- I thought we confirmed that Starlight Beacon was still around even during the Galactic Empire. It is, but that doesn't mean it can't get destroyed and rebuilt. Oh, you think it's going to go through a rebuild phase? Mm. Like Death Star 2? Well, I know they were making other beacons. They were making other starlight beacons or whatever like that you classify that type of base that as. That beacon that was referenced in current content. Well, I should say right, they're saying, the star, they're saying starlight era. beacon in general is referenced during... Mm-hmm. Um, was it Dr. Afra? I think, had mentioned it? So someone ends up mentioning it, or it was in the Kylo book. One, it's one of them. Anyways, um, the lineup yeah. that they have for all of the comics going forth, because we're looking, we're looking now at, at January twenty twenty two. So this is the beginning of um, the new, the new line of comics. The the next, you know, the ending of Phase One, uh, and there's a lot. And, and what's cool is that they they showcase um, some current stuff that ties into things like. The Galactic Star Cruiser, which Kevin unfortunately um, was una- unable to to get us on. I either got a busy signal or I had to hang up after five hours on hold. <laughs> but they've got this. They have an actual uh, five. Oh, have, there's going to be a five uh, episode comic. Okay, hold on before you go there. Okay, I have the titles of the upcoming books. So Tempest Runner just came out. Edge of Balance is the anime. I'm waiting till that's complete before I buy it because they're releasing it um, episodically, if you will. Mm-hmm. Showdown at the fair is the next children's book. Uh, and it shows Buriaga at the fair fighting the Nihil. So that's for the little kiddos. Uh, Mission to Disaster is the next. Are they calling them preteen? What are they calling those? Young oh, adult? There was, I think, yeah, they were just like young adult novels or something like that. So I think that follows Vernestra and what's her face? I can't remember her name. Um, and then the novel for January is called The Fallen Star, and it's literally all of them standing in front of rubble and, and flames. A fallen Thomas. star would sound like a fallen starlight beacon. Yeah, like, I can't tell. I think that's Elzar on the cover. Um, it's either that or Stellan, uh, but because I can't really tell them apart because books. We also uh, and then 
The right. next one after that is called The Midnight Horizon. Oh. And it just has two Jedis with their cloaks up walking and there's some sort of spire behind them and their lightsabers are out. Ooh, I wonder if we'll go back to I wonder if we go back to Black Spire Outpost. That'd be interesting. I mean, uh, like it, it would it would make sense that Black Spire Outpost is well, the Black Spire that the outpost was built around had been there for a long time. When when Thrawn and Vader went there, when they when they found Black Spire Outpost, they had made comments on how the spire itself and like the the natural structures that were built had been there for a long time since their old republic or you know, even before that it does kind of look like that behind them but i can't really tell they I might look, just be star wars lucas disney they have a huge hard on for batu and for black spire up because they spent so much money on that on that when yeah. they built it and so they continuously start to loop th- things in to that yeah. point um on top of uh kevin announcing the the titles for the books we've also got a bunch of new comics coming out as well the first one on starwars.com um the the new marvel comic is called the halcyon legacy and it's a five episode comic book and it covers you know the the actual ship or the ship class that you get to go on with the Galactic Star Cruiser. Like, so this is tying you in. This is building lore behind this theme park attraction. And what this says on the website is says the voyages of the greatest of all star cruisers. As a legendary Halcyon embarks on a momentous cruise, the ship heads towards a confrontation confrontation with the First Order. Okay, so that's already setting up the scene as to what happens when you go on the ship. Because we've looked at the itinerary for the ship when you go and that's something that happens you actually end up you actually get get boarded by the first order um, i hope it happens during dinner and it's like completely unscheduled yeah it's like a, we're just sitting there eating and like ha, ha, ha and they're like you know hawks walks in <laughs> this ship is now under control of the first order I like when he does that freak out captain. thing <laughs> i'm right he's here. like i'm in charge <laughs> uh, looking for general hucks uh this is hucks I don't uh, give a shit what anyone says. I still think that's one of the funniest moments in the sequel trilogy. It was so like, it was I'm so the good. Spy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it says, but what secret from the High Republic era can help the passengers and crew all these years later? Remember, this is so they. It, sh- it looks like Beriaga, the Wookiee Jedi that has been like has, he's grown now. He's not just like the 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 quiet little scared guy. He looks big. He looks tough. He's he has a a high republic lightsaber in his hand you can tell because it's medieval looking it's got the it's got the the hand guard on the hilt it's really long it just it looks like a, a very elegant lightsaber and it says uh and how oh, and it asks how did jedi nibs and bury fend off a nihil attack on one of the ship's first ever voyages what that's so I, cool. I, I wonder, okay, because we know how Disney, remember when we talked about the Sith Journal that was only available in the one store in LA? Uh-huh. That like decoded the message the from, from the, the movie? last movie? Uh-huh. I wonder if there'll be Easter eggs from Buriaga and Nibs' fight yeah. with the Nihil on Halcyon it when could you're there. Be, or what it, if they're just because they're so old? What if they're like actually, like it says they're on the ship. So Buriaga could be there. So Buriaga could, I mean, like, so that means that they were alive during episode eight. Like, I'm so confused and so intrigued at the same time. Well, Nib, I'm very, very excited. Nib, I, I, I don't know. It says, in how did Jedi Nibs and Burry fend off a Nihil attack on one of the ships? For, oh, so this ship's been around for a long time then. 
Yeah, it says like 300 years. Yeah, Nib's a human. Nib, Nib is not okay, alive. There's no way. Okay, so that's what I was trying to figure out. So, so that's kind of cool that there's a really neat tie in there. Um, Riaga could be. He could be. As a Wookiee, he could live a long, long time. The next uh, magazine, the next magazine, the next comic that they're <laughs> announcing is going to be the backstory for Martian Road. This is Star Wars The High Republic Eye of the Storm. That cover one. is incredible. It's so incredible. So for those that are listening, paint the picture. It's uh, it is Martian Rowe standing there with his helmet in his hand, the eyes helmet in his hand, and he has the yellow lightsaber in his right hand. So left hand, he's holding the helmet down to his knee. The right hand, he has held up with a lightsaber kind of pointing up at an angle. And I would assume that's Loden Greatsword's lightsaber, correct? Yes. And so it says, and, and so the description for, for Eye of the Storm number one is, in which we reveal the true origins of Martian Rowe, the Eye of the Nihil, and sworn enemy of the Jedi Order, in which so the lie this... at the heart of his family is exposed, in which the doom of the High Republic begins with a single kill. Would you assume that the background is once again the Golomar and Ice Flats on Rystan? I think so. I would assume so. It seems like there's a lot of origin with with Martian. It, we, and we learned that in the last book. We learned that there's a lot of family ties to this, and his family is old we know his family is old it's ancient and there's a lot of blood magic here and so i'm really really intrigued by by martian and and knowing that this comic is going to tell us everything we want to know because you and i have constantly been like what is he like is he a force user is he just like is he was he jedi is he sith like where does he fall into all this because we know he's force sensitive to a certain degree we know he he wields a lightsaber with with great ease. It reminds me a lot of Rey when she first picks up Luke's lightsaber. It was just an extension of her. Like she felt very natural holding it. Um, and so I feel I feel like Martian is kind of like in that same boat. He's just a very very strong natural force user. Uh, I'm curious if because Martian we still don't know what his race is. No. Um, I'm curious if this will begin to uh, to clear that up. And again, Martian's adopted into the Nihil, so Asgar is not actually his father. Right. So I wonder if Kufa is actually his cousin. Oh. The old lady we meet on Did Rice he call Sam. her his aunt? No, it's his cousin. Oh, cousin? I could have sworn he called her an aunt. Yeah, cousin, female okay. individual who was a cousin of I, the Nihil, Martian Rowe. Martian also just lost his biggest tool to control the... Nihil, which was the paths, but now he's mm-hmm. the leveler. So I'm wondering if he's just going to go intimidation route. Well, he also he also pissed off all of the um, Tempest runners. So he did, but you need to finish Lorna D before we continue this conversation. Okay, fair. <laughs> after that, after that one, uh, they show off Star Wars: The High Republic Trail of Shadows. Um, this is going this to is be the murder mystery. So this is this is the murder Marvel. mystery. This is number four out of five. Um, time Hold on. Is- so, so pause for a second. Sure. So the monster behind him. Yes. Uh, we know about the leveler. Okay. So hold I on. Came- just for those that are listening, um, this one is a Jedi kneeling. Uh, he's got a, a his robes on, and behind him, he kind of has like this yellow aura around him, and behind him is this purple monster, very very large. Not a raincore. At first, I thought that's what it was, but when you start looking at it, it has a, a mane. Um, it has muscle that's exposed from its jowls and has big claws and horns. So I came across this article on Screen Rant and I never put two and two together. But Tim, do you remember in the KOTOR games when you would go to um, Korriban 
and they would tell in the first game they tell you about it you can counter it again in the second game they talk about these beasts that suck the force out of things i feel you and i have had this discussion before so they're called uh hold on the name is so hard to pronounce it's like turin 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 tech or something I'm trying to find it in this article turin to tech turin to tech um so they talk about them in kodor so people now are connecting and saying is the leveler a Tarentatech from KOTOR or based on that or descendant of it something similar because it seems to act in the same manner I mean um, these, these things are, are terrifying but they're not big enough to be a leveler and they do reference if you scroll down the comic that you're you just referenced interesting yeah, so all, all of the reference images and stuff that you creature. see on like Kotar, it's 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 very very different looking. Um, right. Uh, not like to say that it couldn't be it. The leveler lay dormant for untold millennia until it was awoken by the Nihil. There are some differences. Apparently, the leveler consumes the midichlorians from a Jedi, not their blood. But these seem like logical extensions of the idea. Because so. the whole idea is they essentially they're like force suppressors. They like just shut down everything or they shut down all force users around them, right? Well, they're saying that they actually suck midichlorians out of. So people. does that disable so that just like that completely just it nullifies the Jedi's ability to have any type of communication with the force at minimum temporarily. And that's the whole thing is like and then Bell is and that's the whole thing is we don't know the biological properties of like midichlorians. Like, does your body continuously regenerate them over time or do you Does the force regenerate them the more you tap in? Yeah, you know, I mean, like, are you or, or are you like a like a like a woman like with eggs? Like, are you just you like you are born with the set amount and that's it? Yeah, like I don't know. I um, Yeah, I'm I'm. I like this theory. It's fun. It connects a lot of dots and it would, it would again, link back to the remake of the game. Maybe there'll be a hint to the Terran to text being called something on Korriban because Star Wars loves to use two names for things sometimes. Sure. And maybe Martian's people got this and you know, yeah, that is the leveler to them. Sure. So I, I like the connection. I think it's fun. And it does connect to the comic. I'm sorry, I'm missing Trail of Shadows, the Marvel one, the murder mystery. Yep. So, you know, this this is where Star Wars is fun. And they, they connect dots all around. And this is where we can speculate and be crazy. So uh, go nuts. Continue with the comics. Sure. Tina. We've got uh, Star Wars, the High Republic, number 13. It's going to be coming out. The Battle for No Space. Since Martian, since Martian Rowe attacked the Republic Fair on Valo, everything has been leading to this moment. Now it's the Jedi's turn to strike the heart of the Nihil. Avar Chris versus Lorna D. Jedi versus Nihil. Jedi versus Jedi. A line is about to be crossed. We also have the Crimson Rain. Uh, this is uh, number two out of five. I had no idea that this comic was out, and I'm, I'm just ultimately intrigued i have no idea what this comic is about but the the cover art is really interesting because it's two two gun wielders uh both and they have they have guns in their right hands and blades in the left and they are they are surrounded by imperial guards like the emperor's guards the the guys that you see wearing red and they have got the lances and everything like these guys are are surrounded by a, a legion of imperial guards and it says um what does it say? It says the assassins Kira sends two killers to do what they do best to continue with her plan to plunge the galaxy into chaos. 
the relentless force blinded Ochi of Bastoon and the mysterious unstoppable death stick each have a target. Nothing will get in the their one, way. The one has a sword in their hand. The one in the purple. Yeah, yeah she's got she's got a sword. He's got this like um like kunai uh looking thing. Very, very interesting. Um I, I, I don't know. Do you know anything about Crimson Rain, Kevin? Have you read any of these comics yet? No, I believe it's it's Skywalker era though. Yeah, well, I would assume. Well, I mean, of course, it's it's the Imperial Guard, but I want to know who these people are and like, are they were they sent to kill the Emperor? Um, like, I would assume so since they like well, since the Imperial Kira, Guard are on them like like mosquitoes. It's Kira from um, uh, Solo. Oh, it sends two ah. killers to do what they do best. Oh, so yeah. Oh. Well, but I mean, like, she must have been hiding in the shadow. Oh, okay. Now I'm very, very no, they, intrigued. Yeah, this they, is Crimson they made Dawn. A big, oh, this is Crimson Dawn. Yeah, they made a big point oh. about saying Kira was going to return in the comics and possibly in TV movie stuff soon. Oh, that's so, so Kira, dope. There's a, there's a chance that Kira shows up in Mandalorian. Think about it. I didn't know that was this Kira. That's so exciting. Well, now I have to read these. Okay. But th- think about Kira showing up in Mandalorian. It's that would not be. A I mean, it would. It wouldn't. Be, well, it all depends on what happens to her in the comics. If she dies Crim- in this comic, then Crimson Dawn's still around. So yeah, obviously, if she dies, that kills that theory. But Crimson Dawn's still around mm-hmm. when when Mando's doing his thing. Yeah. If anything, the 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 cartels are probably stronger. Oh, they're much stronger the now the with the Empire with the Empire gone. So. Um, Bounty Hunters is now on episode 20, which is is just pretty intense. I I didn't read any of the Bounty Hunter stuff of you. So the Bounty Hunters is kind of an, I don't want to say anthology, it's not the right word, but it follows different ones so mm-hmm. you can read them, you know, two here, three here because they follow different Bounty Hunters. So yes, episode 20, but keep in mind it's not one linear story. Yes, the stories connect, but you know, Bosk is one, uh Boba's one, IG is one, so they're different bounty hunters, but they do connect in different ways. So, Doctor Afro is going to be getting another episode. This is episode eighteen. I I really like the Doctor Afro book, so I feel like I should go and read the comics. Um, this one's called Conjurations: The Strange Ritual Murders on the Rise. Doctor Afra and Santa Staros hunt for the uh, Ascendant artifacts. Their leads keep turning up dead, and they're running out of time. They'll have to delve deep into the secrets of the ancient tech cult. If they plan to catch the killer, that's pretty cool, dude. And that's a cool thing yeah, that's, that's about funny. Dr. Afra is that she, like, like I said, when I read through the book or listened to the book, it was very Indiana Jones esque. Um, so knowing that she's like, she's, she's dealing with like ancient tech stuff is really cool. I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have to go and read these because she's, she's such a cool character. And, and I would love for her to get a live action show or movie. I think she's a really cool character that a lot of people are starting to really gravitate towards. We need more of that. We need more of like those heroic, like non-force users that are just like running amok in the like and she's and she's neutral. She's not like good or bad. She's just in it for herself. She's another like Han Solo. I think that's why I like her character so much. She has no allegiance to anyone. And then the last comic on the uh, Star Wars website is Star Wars Episode 21. Uh, this is called Stranded on a Star Destroyer. After a mission gone wrong, Ace Rebel pilot Shara Bay, Poe Dameron's Poe's mother, Poe Dameron's mother, was left for dead aboard the Tarkin's Will, a huge Star Destroyer. Shara survived and has been hiding deep inside the massive ship ever since, evading Commander Zara's notice. But her time so is the up. Art, the art on this is awesome because the rubble looks like Vader's head on the top left. 
Yeah, yeah, it's 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 it's, Ra- it's Vader's helmet, and then there's a uh, a stormtrooper with a flashlight out over a pile of junk and other stormtroopers looking looking around like he's looking for Shara Bay, uh, which is pretty cool. Knowing that she's Poe Dameron's mother, that kind of gives us a little bit more backstory to Poe's character, who is kind of just like thrown at us in Episode Seven. We're like, who the heck is this ace pilot? So the only one they didn't mention here is the IDW um, Adventures. Uh, Ty Yurik, who we meet in uh, what was the last book called? Rising Storm. Uh, Rising Storm. Rising Storm. Now it's going to bother me. No, it's Rising, Rising Storm. Storm. Just making sure. Okay, good. Rising Storm. Yeah. Uh, we meet Ty Yurik, who's a Force user, former Jedi. Elzar likes her, but she uh, she reveals that she's like a bounty slash monster hunter. So the monster of Temple Peak actually follows one of her adventures, um, an IDW comic, and um, it looks it looks cool. I, I haven't bought it yet. I was waiting for them to complete it so I could read it all in one shot. But I read the preview for this one, and it looks fun. It's it looks like a new Star Wars monster that we haven't seen before. So uh, there's that one as well. So as as Kevin and I have been kind of scouring the the interwebs for some star wars news it's a little dry but i, I found something interesting and I, and I don't know if we've talked about this and and this might uh be a little bit uh a little little fun for us as far as the theory crafting uh but i'd love to hear your take on this kevin um mm-hmm. this is from screen rant star wars acolytes have been explained star wars finally explains a sequel era sith cult Lucasfilm's New Secrets of the Sith book uh, purports to a, uh, to be a collection of notes from Emperor Palpatine himself, and they include his reflections on the Acolytes of the Beyond. Not all who worship the dark side are strong with the Force. Some are merely fanatics who understand that the dark side is one true path to victory. Which we we they touch on them in the uh, aftermath book. They do in one of the interludes. They do. They're they're well, a few of them because they're hunting for Vader's lightsaber is like a relic. So what they say here is that um, uh, the the article starts off by saying a Star Wars uh, a Star Wars tie-in is finally explained a Sith era cult that operated in the shadows during a sequel era. In 2015, Lucasfilm launched the Aftermath trilogy, a series of books that explored the time period between the Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. Books actually set up. Emperor Palpatine's return years before the rise of Skywalker finally delivered onto the, onto the concept. It also introduced a mysterious force cult called the Acolytes of the Beyond, who initially seemed much more important to the overcharging Star Wars franchise than they ultimately proved to be. A dark side cult that flourished after the Battle of Endor, the Acolytes of the Beyond were formed by Imperial loyalists such as Yup Tashu, who believed that they were serving the Emperor and preparing the way for his return. Members of the Acolytes of the Beyond were not Force-sensitive themselves, but they had an obsession with collecting Sith artifacts. So we meet them in Aftermath. Like like, like Kevin said, they're hunting for Vader's um, relics, looking for his lightsaber, looking for his kyber crystal. Uh, we end up learning more about them as the, open, as the end of Aftermath, the vault opens, and we see the Emperor's been collecting uh, a momentous amount of, uh, of relics. Uh, there's just, uh, just so many things that he's been collecting and studying and whatnot. But the, the note front... So this is taken from secrets of the sith and this is a this is a journal entry from the emperor himself kevin would you like to would you like to give me some background music Ooh. not all who worship the dark side are strong with the force 
Some are merely fanatics who understand that the dark side is the one true path to victory. Even if it is a path they are not capable of walking themselves. Again, keep on doing this. One such group of, of adherents was the Acolytes of the Beyond. They believe that the Force is akin to a river, and that the dark side is the only means of changing its currents. To alter the future in their favor, they devoted themselves to gathering Sith Arcana, destroying the objects, and releasing the dark energies within as a sacrificial offering to the ancient Sith Lords. Later, the Acolytes wisely decided that these irreplaceable artifacts should be revered and not destroyed. Led by a number of extreme loyalists, including my former Imperial advisor, Yupe Tashu, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that correctly. The Acolytes relentlessly pursued Sith secrets, fueling their unwavering devotion to my cause. Now, we have a, a decent amount of background on the Sith Eternal, who's the, uh, the other cult that lives on Exegol. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if there's any crossover that's coming. Okay, so, so there are two different cults that live on Exegol there's, that, okay, serve, so that serve the Emperor? In Legends, okay. there's a ton of cults okay. for all sorts of things. The Sith Eternal, linking for you, um, are the ones we know on Exegol. They have a history. Vader encountered them at one point in the comics. Um, and then there's the Acolytes of the Beyond that seem to form after um, the Battle of Endor. So I'm wondering if there's any crossover down the road. So, uh, so the Acolytes the of the Beyond and and the Sith Eternal formed. They cults. formed around the same time, though. No, the Sith Eternal exists during the Imperial era. The Acolytes of the Beyond oh, seem to form after the Battle form, of uh, Endor. I see. Okay, so the Acoly yeah, because the Acolytes they were on the mission of bringing the Emperor back. The and Sith so the Eternal, Sith Eternal are just are they? They're just following the way of the Sith, right? No, the Sith Eternal are the ones that are preserving the Emperor. Oh, wait, but he's talking the about ones. the Acolytes from the Beyond, I thought. No, if you if you read the Sith, Sith Eternal resorted to science in their efforts to preserve the life of Darth Sidious. Um, you know. Okay, but the things that I was just talking about were the Acolytes of the Beyond, though, right? Yeah, I linked both for you. Yeah. They're two different cults. This That's what I'm confusing. saying. Is there any crossover down the road between the two? Uh, before the Battle of Exegol. It's very confusing. I mean, they're different cults that kind of do different things, but they have similar missions, so I'm curious what that looks like. Because mm. when I when I had read Aftermath for the first time, which I'm still not done with the last book, it's on pause uh, for Lorna D and now Ronin, as they say in the uh, audiobook. Ronin. Oh boy, here we go. Ronin. Uh, so I, I read that as like, oh, I guess this links to the cult on Exegol. You know, they're looking for Vader's lightsaber. They're probably gathering Sith relics at some point. Either they know the Emperor's alive or this was part of the Emperor's plan, which that seems the more likely one because he's always 10 steps ahead of everyone else. Um, now I'm reading this and I realize it's two different organizations. So I'm curious. Do they interact? Do they hate each other? Like what? Yeah. You know, they have to know the other exists. It's, it's you know, it's a big galaxy, but you both worship the dark side. So I don't know. So I'm curious, and, curious. And then apparently Secrets of the Sith, the book is written shortly before Ray arrived on Exegol. 
So that's that's interesting. So it seems like it was kind of like just like thrown together because the emperor knew it was coming. Maybe I there's a quote in here, too, from Damaric Quinn. I don't know who that is to Kylo Ren mm-hmm. says, forgive me, sir. But these allies on Exegol, they sound like occult conjurers and soothsayers. Ooh, <laughs> I like that line. Just it using... makes me. I want to learn more about these cults. But anyway, back to Acolytes of the Beyond and Acolyte. The only reason I'd say no on that is because it literally says here that they form during the Battle of Endor, yeah. after the Battle of I, Endor. I don't, I don't think the Acolytes of the Beyond are going to be the Acolytes that we end up meeting in the show. I would say that the Sith Eternal has actually more of a background for the Acolyte to join that. Now, sure. okay, so hear me out on this, and this is kind of on the fly, but I've always believed this. I have said many times that the Jedi have encountered Sith over the time that they say we haven't seen a Sith in a thousand years or something that they 100% have, but they keep it on lock because they don't want young Padawans being like, oh, there's Sith out there. Yeah. So I think they keep it a secret. So what if a cult that maybe becomes Sith Eternal, becomes Acolytes, whatever they may be, there's got to be cults out there, right? I mean, we know the Night Sisters are out there. We know that there's other force users in the galaxy that use it for different reasons. So there's got to be cults out there that still worship at minimum the dark side, if not the Sith. What if this acolyte from the end of the High Republic is probably 99.9% chance someone we have met in the books already? Like, do you not deny that? Oh, shit. Like, it could be fucking Bell for all we know. Could you imagine if it was Bell Zetafar that ends up being the Acolyte? Well, they're, they're, they're really bringing us in and getting yeah. us attached to these characters. And what does Star Wars, like, Star Wars like to do? They like to break that in half at some point and be like, ah, ha, ha. So, you know, killing Han Solo, um, burying um, uh, uh, our queen. So it's it's more... Who? That's where I'm yeah. at. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling it has to do with it's probably I mean, the, the low hanging fruit is Elzar, but I feel like that's too obvious. I mean, um, but it makes sense, though. He's I mean, like he is the one that has been pulled so deep down the rabbit hole already. But he's also making concessions because he's seeing what happens to the Jedi. Yeah. And then Skier had his little little Skier. dance with the dark side. So I, I don't know. I think it's someone we already know and have met. And I have a feeling it's going to lead to one of these cults at some point that worship the dark side. Because where are you going to get your information from? Obviously, you could go on a search around the galaxy for, you know, uh, uh, codex and things like that and and, and, uh, whatnot. But I have a feeling it's A, someone we know, and B, it's going to be somehow linked to one of these. Maybe an earlier version of it under a different name, if you will. Yeah. But something that links back to these. Fuck, man, we could end up on Exegol in that show. I, I, I think Exegol deserves to have more of it explained and just given just uh, just an actual presence. Like, it feels like such an important planet. And again, like, what if it's tied to the Starforge? And like, what if right. this planet is like, is extre- like, why was it so important in episode nine? We've never really heard of it before then. Like, there was no explanation anywhere else of what this thing was. And it becomes this moment, like this this monumental icon, and in, in all of at all of that movie, you're you're continuously like going back to Exegol. You get to see that it's 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 deep in the dark side. When as 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 Ben lands and and the thing opens up and he walks down, and then it's all steampunky down there, and there's dead stuff and decaying matter, and it's just like it's gross and scary, and it's really dark side, and they don't really touch on it. 
So I and you think have to Exegol go back to the it. you have to go back to the concept art, and some of which kind of made it into the movies, but was never really addressed. All of the ancient Sith are are, are on the walls there, and there's yeah. statues of them. Mm-hmm. You know, the ones we know, Bane, Revan, all of Malak, they're all there. Night, uh, uh, Darth uh, Nihilus, they're all there. So that canonizes a lot of it, but also that means that that. The Emperor Palpatine is not the first person to visit Exegol as a Sith. So there's tons of history. So I have a feeling Acolyte will take us there. And I have a feeling if it is the Starforge, that at some point in those games, you know, Revan will be like, or Malak will be like, we'll call this place Exegol or something like that, you know? (laughs) And they'll be like, oh, shit! (laughs) Just do the freak out thing. So I'm... I'm with you. I am excited that the High Republic is finally getting into that mysticism and that creepy shit yep. that lurks behind the, you know, the, oh, we're using the Force with cool lightsabers. No, 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 no. I like, want that's the dark the stuff, stuff that's meant for kids. The Exegol stuff and, like, all of, like, the really cool dark stuff that the High Republic is doing is meant for us. Like, it's meant for the adults who are still Star Wars fans that want to know, like, the really creepy stuff that's under the bed. Yeah, we that that's, you know, and, and the leveler, I think, is a great example of, of, these unknown things but things that are slightly familiar that we're like hmm agreed so yeah i don't think acolyte links back to acolytes of the beyond it's mm. it's it's a great thing it might it could the the door is open because there's really no history before that i would think a link to the sith eternal is way more palatable based on the current uh information that we have yeah and and <laughs> there's still so many things like how did they, all the acolytes end up on exegol how did they get there like where did all the imperial officers come from how did the store destroyers get there like well that's more of what i want to know about the the earliest history we have uh i don't know where this comes from but it's on wikipedia so i'm going to assume that mr woodhouse would vouch for it okay uh by the time of the galactic empire the sith eternal had settled at the sith citadel on exegol that's that's the beginning of this say that one more time by the time of the Galactic Empire, yep. the Sith Eternal had settled at the Sith Citadel on Exegol. Oh. Meaning they've been around. Yeah. And it would make sense because, again, pulling from Legends and pulling from a game like SWOTOR, when you go to Malachor and they design the temples just like they do in Episodes 4 and 5. Yeah where they leave from those are ancient sith temples you knew that right i i do now the republic bases are are in legends lore i'm not saying canon because i don't know if they've made that transition those are supposed to be sith temples from the ancient sith from the race of sith not even the the dark side the the users the red skin sith Mm -hmm. they had what was called the masasi warriors that's what it was yep the Masasi warriors were like these hulked out Sith. Yep. Uh, and you go there in the game and you fight them and uncover all these really dark Sith secrets and shit that happened on on Malachor, which is just really cool. Um, but uh, there's cults there. And that's also here's another Easter egg for you. That is also where they train the Imperial Guards is on Malachor. There's oh. a hole in the middle of the planet. There's this big temple. And that's where the guards undergo their trials in the dark side. I mean, so like the Masasi to... are, are canon. You know, they actually have like are they? canonical entries. Yeah, like oh, it's on Wikipedia. Know. The Masasi were a species who lived on Yavin Four, the fourth moon of Yavin Prime, thousands of years before the Imperial era. Oh, it wasn't Malachor; it was Yavin. I'm sorry. Built, I knew, I knew, what, I knew what you meant. 
They built yeah. enormous stone temples on the moon for unknown purposes. It was believed that the yeah. Masasi may have been a slave race <clears throat> enthralled. And so that that is true. The Masasi, they were they were a warrior class that because the Sith themselves, the Sith were more like um Darth Plagueis in the sense where they were um they weren't as like strong. They were just knowledgeable. They were powerful, but they were enslaving other it, Star Wars seems to do this a lot. They like to enslave others to that. Like the bad guys always enslave others to then make them do their bidding. And so the Masasi end up getting getting hauled off by the Sith and then they're sent off to go fight their wars. The um, Empire is always no matter. And the Sith are always framed from real world um, uh, empires, if you will. Yes. So a lot of the, you know, obviously their uniforms are very World War II German. Yes, very German Nazi. For sure. uh, you know, the way they run their operation is very ancient Egypt with, you know, the Jewish people and, mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. So it's all modeled after that. And that's why they continue the the, you know, this is the empire. This is what they do. This is how they get to the point where they are before they collapse. Republic pops up. Republic makes all of the the. Uh, you know, democratic mistakes, if you will, mm-hmm. that always get them in trouble and corruption and then, you know, rinse and repeat. I, I and that's what makes the old Republic so great is that there is empire space and Republic space in the old Republic. Yeah. They are two major forces. And it's the only time that I know of in the Star Wars universe where the two are at, at odds with each other. That's and cool. that's what makes it fun. Um, and then one is backed by the Sith and the other is backed by the Jedi You know, old Republic. It's the eternal emperor, the one right. who came before, you know, and he he just consumes new bodies. Yeah. And then if you really get so into Swotor, cool. <laughs> he's also living a double life in another galaxy with a whole other use of force users who believe in justice, not light and dark, which that's a whole other <laughs> nut to crack that we're not like doing him. today. No, I like that. Yeah, we should. I like him. He literally has a whole other family, Tim. He has three kids and a wife in another galaxy. And the Dark Council constantly, when you're playing through the playthrough, is like, the Emperor hasn't been seen in, in years and blah, 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 blah. You finally see him if you do the Jedi Knight storyline. Uh-huh. This is what's great about Swotor. All eight storylines interact with each other. And unless you play all eight, you do not get the full picture as to what the hell's going on. Oh, my God. That's so grimy. So in the Jedi Knight one, you actually encounter him. And he's voiced by the guy that played Hellraiser in the movies. Ooh. Yeah. So he has that voice that he talks to you like this. <laughs> he's like, you are an insignificant nothing. Um. So the Eternal Emperor. And then you kill him. And then you go down. You find oh, out spoilers. all this other shit. Okay. So... Um, I mean, you're a Jedi Knight, Tim. Come on. Uh, <laughs> and he doesn't actually die because his spirit keeps taking over body after body after body. Um, so, you know, taking all that into consideration and, and looking at that, Acolyte is going to open so many doors to this mystic side. A lot of the stuff that the Star Wars fanboys have been crying for that existed in Legends. You know, the the conceptualization of things like, you know, can do do we get to meet here's another one for you with the acolyte do we meet the mother the son and the uh, not the mother the mother's abeloth the father the son and the daughter again at some point oh you know, i, I, I really hope so that was such a cool thing to introduce in uh in clone wars and then in rebels again and the way that we end with rebels with like you know you constantly talk about uh the force veil and the ability to potentially influence the past and change time um, there's a lot of that 
mystic force stuff that is was showcased in a very very quick and brief way that still kind of bugs me because it's like you it's just like marvel it it would it would be like if marvel introduced kang and the, then the multiverse and all that stuff and they did it in 30 seconds and then just like never talked about it again yeah like that's how i feel right now and it's really been frustrating to continue to support something that has not been around for what like three years now it's been like three-ish years since rebels finished up yeah something like that so it's just like man there's 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 a big chunk that is just like sitting there and are they are they holding on to it for a rainy day or are they really trying to figure out how to build this new world what the fanboys don't want to acknowledge is that it took 30 years to get star wars where it was prior to disney purchasing it sure and that's the reason disney purchased it because it had this rich ip that could that would feed again bob Iger being the visionary that he was he knew that once game of thrones came out yeah i think everyone realized that people want to live in universes and they want to consume content from various mediums in said universe disney went out and bought the two most family-friendly universes they could find Mm -hmm. where they could tell these really really dark stories for adults and keep everything light for the kids and they all exist in the same place. Yeah. And that is why Star Wars is where it's at. But people don't want to acknowledge that prior to that was 30 fucking years of storytelling <laughs> that got us to where we are. Well, where it was, you know, it, again, go ahead. It was, it was, it was to your point, the storytelling though was extremely convoluted. It was, it was disjointed. And that was like, and that, and like, that's the hard part to really wrap your head around is that it was so cluttered it was cluttered storytelling and that's where i'm still like you and i talked about this morning it's like i can't enjoy it because it's not it's not canon like i have a hard time enjoying that stuff but you you love that you love like all the different stories that go all over the place because they all end up coming back to the main story at the end they also they also drop easter eggs you know we we had joked about ronin at the gym this morning ronin's cool because it's exploring a side of star wars that you know may never be canon but it's still interesting and it draws from source material um, I still have no idea what era Ronin takes place in, but little things that they figured out, you know, in the, in the, in the visions episode, when he pulls the lightsaber out of the scabbard, you're like, oh, well, that's really like cliche samurai move. Well, the reason he does it, they explain it away in the book is that his lightsaber's broken and he actually can't turn it off. So that is why he has the scabbard is to keep the energy field inside really there. Cool, though. <laughs> and that's why he can take it out like that. Yeah. So, but it sets it sets the tone for the future, and you never know when Disney's like, you know what? Let's, let's bring it's out canon. a samurai Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> let's just bring them out. Well, you they keep what? on they keep on laying into it. Like, so I was I was actually while while you were talking, I was on the Star Wars website and look, the Bring Home the Bounty. I was like, wait, that's they're doing it every week. Well, the, week two has been announced, and one of the items for week two is the Tamashi Nation's Ronin Mandalorian and Grogu. Uh, set and it's literally Mando in in Ronin Beskar armor. He looks like a samurai and he's pushing Grogu in a little cart. They love leaning into, to your point, the Japanese influence, the Bushido influence into yep. Star Wars. And like that is a perfect example of they just took Mando and they took they made it not canon in how his his armor and everything and even Grogu's got this little cute ass top knot and whatnot and it's like this isn't canon but it's adorable as hell I think they realize that anime is such a good way for them to tell stories yeah. and it's a great audience that's very receptive to the stories they want to tell 
and they're going to lean. They apparently greenlit like two or three anime series. I have a feeling it's probably based on stuff from Visions. Visions was probably a gigantic test. I would, yeah. Oh, sure. Almost definitely. It's like, which ones do you like the best? Haha. It's an anthology series. Not anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean, if they don't, if, if I don't get a flushed out story for the ninth Jedi, I will probably be grumpy. Ninth because Jedi, that was the so duel, good. The Elder and Lampanocho. You give me those four, I'm happy. I don't give a shit about any. Uh, I can do. I can do Akaviri too. Akaviri had a fun story. If I don't find out what happens to the band on Tatooine Rhapsody, <laughs> I'm going to be. Livid. On that note, thanks for watching Star. <laughs> listening to Star Wars and Scotch. It's been fun. We appreciate it's a good you. Episode. Almost almost sixty episodes uh, in the can. That's pretty pretty wild. It's pretty wild. Uh, and Book of Boba Fett. So we we usually close the office at start at uh, at Rare Drop uh, the week between Christmas and New Year's. But Tim and I are gonna have to do an episode. <laughs> yes, we will have to do something for sure for Book of Boba. We, so we also uh, have the the Boba Fett show coming out. The one episode that comes out on the eleventh of November, three right? Weeks. In two weeks. weeks, two weeks from today, Disney Plus Day, whatever day that is, um, November twelfth, November twelfth. Okay, so it, we've got we've got a few weeks from that, so we've got two, th- one, one, two. We got three weeks, three weeks until that. Next, so we'll definitely we'll d- we'll dive deep into that, and then th- next week, Tim and I are going to dive into Dune. I know that's a oh, departure yeah. from Star Wars, but Dune is constantly compared to Star Wars. It's space sci fi. Tim and I want to try something different and talk about something different. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna uh, dive into Dune a bit, uh, do some comparisons to the books, which I don't think you've read the book. Right? I have not, and so the reason why okay. I came up with this idea is be, is one, I I have never read the Dune books. I heard they're phenomenal, but I saw this article that a lot of people were comparing Star Wars to Dune, and the the director of Dune said no. Star Wars was pulled a lot from Dune, so in in. To be fair to Dune, people should be comparing Dune to Star Wars, not Star Wars to Dune. Uh, sorry, the other way around. They could, they should be comparing Star Wars to Dune, not Dune to Star Wars. And so I thought it would be really fun after reading that article. I was like, Kevin, as avid Star Wars fans, as people who just really love this stuff, we should look at Dune, watch the movie, and then compare it to Star Wars and see, like, really, where did where did Lucas, where did where have they pulled influence from Dune into, into this universe? So I'm excited to look at it. Yeah, also, uh, you know, if, if and if that goes well, I would love to look at other space sci-fi stuff and, and you know, kind of do some specials where we, yeah. we draw the low-hanging fruit there again. I've used that phrase like three times you like You like saying uh, that? I don't know why. Uh, and just today. But uh, it would be Destiny and bringing on maybe some of our Destiny friends to chit-chat about Destiny lore and the influence oh, it has on back. Star Wars. Yeah, we could we could have Bife. I would say Bife and Ben for that because Ben knows yes. a shit ton about he does uh, Destiny lore. But we're gonna start with Dune next week. We're really excited. I'm so stoked to watch Dune. I'm a huge fan. Uh, I read the book years ago. I actually like the uh, '80s movie. Um, so I know some people don't, but I'm I'm down to uh, see how it went. And uh, everything I see online from diehard Dune fans says it is it is faithful to the source material. Very entertaining and very good. So that excites me. And Watching that is what tonight. I'm going to do for two and a half hours to three hours. I think it's almost it's three two and, hours. and a half hours. I looked at it this morning on HBO. <laughs> two and a half hours <laughs> a uh, after my uh, dinner meeting this this evening. So yeah, 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 cool, cool, cool. Thank you so much. Make sure you go check out Tim FB dot slash darkness four two nine Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. Eastern. 
Uh, everything I do, you can check out on raredrop.co. If you want to tweet at me, it's Kevin X Vision. If you want to Instagram me, it's kmagic101. And if you want to do anything else with Tim, it's darkness429 everywhere else on the internet. That's me. You have a fantastic one. Please rate, review, subscribe on this episode. And we will see you next week when we chit-chat about Dune. Have a good one. May the force be with you. And with you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.